Hello and welcome to the DTC Leaders Podcast, a series brought to you by Commerce Centric. My name is Philip Driver, founder and CEO of Commerce Centric, the direct-to-consumer experts. And together with my guests, we will be deep diving the most important topics around direct-to-consumer and e-commerce. You will hear from the top leaders in their field on how they faced and overcame the big DTC challenges and their thoughts on the future of e-commerce. Learn what you need to stay ahead and to take your business direct-to-consumer. Hello and welcome to another DTC Leaders podcast. Uh, this time I'm really excited. We've got uh, Laurie Bazuko here to speak to us. She's Senior Director of Digital and E-Commerce for Residio for Consumer Products. Um, she's got a, an amazing background in DTC and e-commerce, a real expert in this field. So I'm really excited about kind of uh, the different questions we'll be able to get into around this. Um, long experience actually an ex-colleague of mine from our digital river days again when she was deep into e-commerce and uh, consumer electronics since then has worked for really big brands but i'll let her talk about her little bit of history in a second so welcome to the podcast laurie uh, really excited to have you here so yeah if you can give us a bit of an intro into you and recent history that'd be amazing sure no i'm super excited to be here so thank you for the invite um Today, like you mentioned, I work for a company called Residio Technologies, which is actually um, the owner of um, Honeywell Home products, um, which are you know, primarily thermostats, security systems, et cetera. And we'll go into a little bit more of that um, in a bit. But my background has been in traditional retail, digital marketing, um, and, um, and as of late, a lot of uh, e-commerce and a digital transformation. So I've been in role a little over two years. And we've been in this massive project to overhaul um, our our digital footprint from a company um, perspective on um, go to market for B2B and B2C. So my team and I are in charge of the entire end-to-end journey, which you see on the web, um, CRM, social. Um, and we lead the strategy from a digital marketing standpoint. So real end-to-end digital journeys uh, for the for Residio there. Um, and that's something you've been doing for a while as well. So if you just talk about kind of um, previous history a little bit, if you can just kind of give us a, a rundown of the different places you've been. Yes. So um, started off way back when in, in traditional retail. Target Corporation. So, um, if you're in the US, you know, everybody's very familiar with Target Big Box Retail. Um, I then went to Digital River and really kind of got grounded in e commerce, working with some very large um, global co- clients that were in the consumer electronics space, um, really kind of paving the way for that D2C journey, I would say, um, in terms of the importance of data and having that direct customer relationship. Um, spent a small stint on the agency side, which was very intriguing, um, and then went to HTC, which um, really was exciting. Launched their first big uh, D2C product globally from a direct perspective um, with their virtual reality product called Vive. So, and then then came here because this was definitely a opportunity to spread my wings into the B2B side as well. So, very excited. Um, and we're right now, I would say, in year two of probably a five, a good five-year journey of transformation. So, lots of exciting stuff on our roadmap. 
Yeah, it's amazing. Obviously, you bring the experience to kind of help them do that as well. So that's really good. Um, obviously, it's a slightly different market, perhaps, to where you were before. So tell us a little bit more about the smart home market. What What's the key market challenges for the smart home market? Sure. Um, I think in general, you know, smart, ho smart home or the notion of a smart home is very um, fashionable at the moment. Um, but the, the, the the keys that we are seeing across, you know, even for us as well as our competition is that homeowners actually just want simplicity. So the ability to truly scale across all the major aspects of your home and, you know, homes are like snowflakes, they're all a little bit different, um, is truly the challenge. So there's a lot of options that solve one or two problems or, you know, make efficiencies out of one or two things. Um, which are what we call more like point solutions, but few companies are really positioned like ours to solve the major issues or or work, inner workings of your home. So what we can what we really focus on are, you know, in, indoor air quality, safety and security, heating and cooling. Um, you know, the real kind of um, bits that you kind of don't even really think about, you know, <laughs> um, you kind of take for granted, um, but at the same time are so vital to, you know, your health and happiness. So when you think, when you think about it, we don't believe most people actually wake up um, every day and, and start saying, you know, I, I think I really want to have a smart home. They don't really think about it that way. They're more focused on how do I make my life simpler? How do I not think about some of those things? Um, and and adding, adding technology to their home for technology's sake isn't really the common, you know, the general market um, kind of viewpoint. I would say you have your early adopters that might think about, you know, the cool new tech, but generally speaking, that general adoption, they're just trying to figure out how to make their day-to-day -day lives better. And so as, as this evolves um, and, and goes forward, right, you're starting to see some consolidation across the market markets um, really with that same thought in mind how do I make it more of a like a one-stop shop mm -hmm. and so the products themselves are obviously it's the consumers that want them but some um, a lot of times professionals involved as well and I, I know you you guys are quite focused on professionals how do you how do you explain how you balance you know speaking to the professionals who might do the installation but also directly with the consumers as well. How does that tend to work? So as a company, you know, um, I think, you know, we've been very, you know, we straightforward on, on our approach. Um, we've traditionally been <clears throat> a big B2B company. Um, so, but even though all of our products are used by homeowners, so approximately 95% of our sales are actually B2B. So our messaging to our heating and cooling contractors, our security dealers, who, who then sell those solutions to consumers, are really about how do you have a solution for every home? And sometimes that solution, honestly, is not a, a smart home solution. You know, my, parent, my parents probably are not in that category. <laughs> um, but it is about really kind of showing that value across across it. And what we call it is um, we have solutions that are on the wall, right? Security and comfort controls like thermostats, um, et cetera, and, and um, security panels behind the wall, which is the components that you, you as a homeowner really don't think 
map that really kind of power the major componentry. So your 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 water heater, furnace, all of those things. We have the bits that um, really kind of connect all those together. Um, and then that is actually in the connected space, connected um, with our software in the cloud. And so when we sell to professionals, what we're ultimately selling is you know that complete package. And then when we sell to the homeowner, we're almost talking about the benefits. We're talking about how this is going to make your life easier, um, how it's going to make it smarter. Um, our thermostats, for instance, have geofencing. So your your heating can turn on based on definitions that you set. As soon as you cross that threshold, you know, it's already starting to warm up your house or it's um, thinking about how to save energy in a way based on the things that you have um, input into it so that it's working smarter for you. So that balance, I would say, even though our sales are primarily going B2B, um, everything that we sell actually goes into somebody's home. So we're just, you know, approaching the topic from two different perspectives, I would say. Mm -hmm. It sounds like there might be quite a bit of education involved in there, both for kind of the contractors, but also for consumers and, and creating educational kind of materials required to kind of get them to understand the products and perhaps some of the complexity behind the product. Absolutely. Um, on the on the on the consumer side, um, you know that that benefit driven approach for our go to market is is a bit more feature driven, right? Um, and really, we're trying to tout in the retail space how easy it is, how easy it is to integrate with things that you already have, um, like Google, um, Alexa, or you know Apple HomeKit things like that, because again, it's about that simplicity. And sometimes, you know, we've really taken the approach of not being, you know, tied to one. We feel like, you know, our products really easily integrate into systems that you already have. Um, and those are definitely top of mind. Um, so that that is definitely um, a big thing from our homeowner perspective. You know, we're, we're featuring those aspects that make your life easier. And then from the B2B side, we're almost educating the pro installer on how, what message they should be bringing. So we do a lot of work to give them, you know, manuals and handouts and pamphlets that they can then hand off to the homeowner with that same sort of messaging and whatnot. And then we're teaching them how to actually communicate that and have that value add. Mm -hmm. Okay. And how important is DTC to the overall business? So. Um, in most places, D2C is, you know, direct to consumer. Um, for us, um, I would say it's direct to customer. So that to us is really both audiences, both B2B and B2C. Um, and we, we take really good care to make sure that both of those audiences and then the segments within those audiences are cared for individually. So ultimately, it is a huge part of our strategy um, because every single segment, I mean, we have like six major <laughs> groups within B2B, but then with e within each segment, of course, there's, you know, different needs, wants, et cetera. Um, they're all enabled, um, like, they're all enabled primarily um, from a 
direct purchasing perspective is an option. And then on the homeowner side, again, we by leveraging our connected data, we actually have a very um, robust marketing strategy where we're targeting based on how long you've had your product, how often you use it, um, what things should complement it, et cetera. And then we engage that and, and leverage it for, for our direct marketing perspective. And some of the products, the they do require expert installation and others are also available in, in retail. How, how do you balance DTC and your partners and are those areas complementary? Can they be complementary? This is definitely evolving. I would say <laughs> when I first joined two years ago, it was definitely um, it was definitely an evolution. Um, but my philosophy, and this is definitely starting to gain some traction, is that that point of installation or the, the day that a professional comes into your home to do a consultation is really one or two days in the life of your product, right? So what homeowners are really buying um, are the features and functions of our products and our apps that power them um, to make their home a better place to live. And that expert that comes in to your home for you know I, I personally I'm I'm probably the the segment of the audience that would call a professional they're really there to you know give you that custom solution um, and so when we offer all options on our on our retail products um, we know through the data that they will continue on and we've tested this quite a bit um, that they will they will likely continue once they've like purchased in the retail channel they're likely to purchase again in the retail channel and so it's really important for us from a product offering standpoint that we have something in their channel that they're comfortable with that's easy to install etc conversely somebody who buys their first product in the pro channel they, they follow that same pattern they they're they're consistently going to a professional um to to solve their 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 home um, infrastructure but what's interesting is the one that crosses over and that is probably our highest value so having a good mix of products to me um, and that's what we've been showing um, our leadership teams and our product teams is that when we do cross sell correctly using our data um, the highest value customer to us is actually the one that engages in both the channels they've already bought into how simple and easy to use our products are and they're comfortable enough with buying solutions off the shelf at a retailer or from amazon um, but they're also for the more complex jobs wanting to go to a professional so i think it's really about having that mix um, and i and i think we that's that's the point where i feel like is there our, our nirvana right because mm -hmm. the more Custom solutions are, of course, you know, the more robust, um, expensive solutions. Um, but sometimes you just need something that you can just pull out of a box and plug in. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, I mean, we see that um, widely as well, and it, it sounds like you're taking that same step. It's, it's towards kind of a more, I say, customer-focused approach, where it's kind of whatever's right for the customer is what's right. And um, it seems like the data is proving that out that the people that. Are, well catered for in both channels are happier and then happy to jump between those channels and be more invested in the brand as well by the sounds of it. Yes, and that's really where I would say our 
our our philosophy from a company standpoint has evolved. So in, in the last two years, you know, we've really invested in this digital team. We have a chief of, from a structure standpoint, we have a chief of digital officer who I report to. And um, that's not always happening in every company. Um, so we're making this big investment in it. And our philosophy is how do we show through the use of our data what people are actually doing so that we can be a customer first company. And we've always been on the B2B side, very customer centric and customer first. Um, I think using our homeowner data to the end user data has been eye opening to show them how how that really can guide the product um, portfolios and go to market approach. Mm -hmm. So it does sound like you're uh, like a lot of the kind of e-commerce and digital leaders. You're, you're a bit of a uh, I did a bit of digital transformation thrown in there as well from a company perspective, uh, kind of moving moving the needle a little bit around digital and what digital is within the company. Absolutely. I mean, I think um, in, in some of the big programs that we've done on the marketing side, I mean, I'm not gonna <laughs> not gonna lie. Some people think it's magic. They don't actually understand how we are able to tie and attribute, um, you know, our marketing dollars to um, actual act um, activation data, et cetera. Um, and so they're amazed um, because previously no one really kind of took the time to do that. Um, and and that's where your customer data is oh so important. Once you kind of crack the nut on how to make those connections and use, use that, I think the data is, is probably one of the most powerful aspects that you own as a company. Yeah, we're definitely seeing that in the market as well. Um, just to focus in on, on the products a little bit again. So the Residio products, um, obviously they can be quite technical. They're you know technical product, technical solution. Um, not always, but in some cases. Uh, how do you overcome this in the online store environment where you know you can't explain things particularly um, you know in a face-to-face -face fashion? How, how do you kind of manage that? So what we have found, um, and again, we're evolving this and really focusing on this, especially um, in, in the current state of things. Um, but we have a lot of interactive digital tools um, that we've put together to really, one, kind of demystify um, kind of smart home connected products um, and what you actually need based on your your home. So we've put together kind of kind of like uh, guided selling little quizzes, I would say that, you know, ask you, you know, anywhere from five to seven questions that will help you kind of understand here are the solutions that are right for you. And, you know, should you go to a professional? Should you, you know, are you adept enough to <laughs> um, put it on the wall yourself? Um, but even so much to say that, you know, you probably just need a, a like a video doorbell or a camera. You don't actually need a big custom solution because at this point, you know, your, your house isn't that big or you are renting or whatnot. So we've done a lot of work like that to really kind of make that easier for the homeowner. Um, and then we've done a lot, I would say, also in especially in the connected space to really kind of nurture that journey. So once you activate your product within our applications, we really want to hold your hand and give you very specific um, how to's on how to leverage the features. Because we know it sometimes can be daunting, right? You turn on something, you know, a new piece of tech and um, 
there's all of the bells and whistles, but you don't know where to get started. So we have all of that triggered out of our database. And then finally, just the pre-sales aspect or even the post-sales aspect, video has been really key for us to make it almost snackable content to make it easy for somebody to troubleshoot something, to understand the value proposition um, of, of our products and our solutions, and really to kind of serve up in that organic space as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you mentioned kind of personas before and having, you know, multiple personas, just not only not only for B2B, but I presume you've got them multiple for consumers as well. Um, how are you balancing that within the content? So I guess the person installing a product will be looking for, you know, very technical information and wiring diagrams and these kind of things uh, versus the consumer is kind of looking for, you know, how will this make me feel about my home perhaps? So I think what we're starting to see is that that content itself is really starting to converge together. So initially we thought that that content really should be segmented, right? We have pro content um, meant for install professional installers, and we would have homeowner content, which again, you know, very feature-driven, benefit-driven, and that those two wouldn't really cross. Um, we're starting to see that that actually serves both markets because you have your do-it-yourselfers who are trying to figure it out themselves. <laughs> they they really want to wire it themselves that you know um, and whatnot. And then we have professional installers who are also using that content themselves when they when they get in a bind, right? Because they're getting called in to install something that they've never uh, maybe somebody bought it off the shelf and tried to do it themselves and then couldn't figure it out. <laughs> so um, we're, we're seeing that usage across. And then the other thing that we've been really leveraging or using is our homeowner content that we're driving um, and and amplifying in our own channels is actually content that we share with our with um, with our network of professionals um, if they're um, a Residio Pro so that they can actually go to market and and use that feature driven content to drive to their uh, customer base as well. So we're seeing multi-purpose there. Okay. Uh, do you do much like user testing or A-B testing on the content at all? Yes, we do that quite a bit on the website. Um, we do that um, in social and paid um, as well as in our email. Um, not as much on, on the video, but we we have some, you know, we have kind of loyalty groups within our install base and whatnot and they actually give us a lot of really good feedback on you know what content is working for them as well with their homeowners which we we incorporate into kind of future marketing pieces mm-hmm. okay well we're all spending a lot more time in our homes uh recently thanks to covid <laughs> um how has the covid situation played out for residio i mean what kind of challenges challenges have you had to overcome well, as a global company, you know, we all had to respond uh, uh, very quickly. Um, so we made the decision for, you know, more of our knowledge-based workers to move um, to work from home in mid-March um, quite rapidly. Um, of course, um, we 
we have a good amount of our workforce is actually on the front line manufacturing you know our actual products so you know we for that for our group that could work from home right like it was how do we solve the challenge because we're very I, I would say we were really a traditional company like go into the office every day have meetings every day in person um our, our salespeople were definitely, you know, making visits. So that really kind of shifted things um, to a place of how do we accommodate new family schedules, um, working from home, et cetera. And so we've really kind of adapted. Um, for our factories, we really had to take a step back and reconfigure again, like scheduling, um, spacing, um, masks, et cetera, to make sure that our our workforce that were on the front lines felt as safe as possible. So I think we've adapted quite well as an organization, um, especially in in a place. I mean, I think we're we're fortunate as a company that our products are considered essential. So um, you know, some industries got really hit hard. Um, because of, you know, the classification of their products. Ours are essential. So, you know, um, our, our partners and our professionals and our retailers are all, you know, we're still out in market. And so with our adaptation in, in how we've approached our workforce, um, I think it's been really good to, to show empathy um, and, and allow kind of this new world of a working during calls right so now you see people's kids and pets and that's completely normal nobody think that's <laughs> thinks that's weird um and and ultimately you know even i've gone into the office a handful of times we've got different health and safety measures that are in you know you get you get thermal imaged when you walk in the door um there's plexiglass all over the place um and kind of rules of the road in terms of social distancing and which which route you can take to your office, et cetera. Mm. Yeah, I think we're all we're all being impacted at uh, work with these kind of measures. But uh, it sounds like there's a bit of a digital transformation happening to kind of help you cope with that. Um, have you seen much change in consumer behavior at all, and, and kind of what people are looking for from products during that time? Um, I think. I think you know across the industry you know you would you've seen it across the board right like all the major retailers are seeing huge incremental upticks and that is consistent with what we've seen because we've had to shift how we do business how we communicate um digitally um through that transformation um it's i think it it is fundamentally changing how people here are are shopping and um, I think some people are, as some companies are doing it better than others, right? The ones that have responded quickly, um, the ones that have been innovative in terms of what they what they're doing. We had, we actually had some of our professional installers kind of almost change some of their offerings <laughs> in some ways. They were um, some of them were, especially in the initial kind of more lockdown stages um, earlier this year. They were actually. Um, helping to deliver groceries they're trying to deliver essential items um, as well as provide their services um, so that they could qualify for different things 
Um, but of course, the, the the mechanisms that you've seen across, right, click and collect and increased service models and automated in-stock and delivery communications, those are all have made shoppers' lives a bit easier. I also think shoppers have been a bit more lenient <laughs> too. I think that they've been a little bit more understanding. Um, we've all kind of in the US been, I guess, trained by Amazon that we should get something in two days or less. <laughs> and um, just with that huge influx, um, now it, it, if it takes a few more days, obviously they're communicating when it will be coming. Um, I think people have gotten a, a bit more used to that. Okay, you think COVID will, change how we shop forever? I think so. I think, you know, it, I don't know what it's like um, through maybe some of the other parts of the world, but especially here, I think that click and collect aspect um, is just making a lot of people's lives a lot, of, a lot easier. If I can shop for groceries um, and then just go to the store and, and pick it up, that's the time savings for me as a mom. Um, and you could also have it delivered as well, but just some of those simple aspects of saving an hour is something that I think will become um, very long standing, I would say. And then I think, um, you know, the other thing I've seen just as a, a consumer myself, I, I feel as though the communications are a bit more honest now. So from a marketing standpoint, it's not as it's not as flashy, right? It's almost much more honest and true, truthful, um, and trying to kind of really bring that value proposition um, through through the messaging in a way that resonates with the current state, right? Like you can't really be tone deaf in this market, and I think that's changing how um, major companies are are marketing their their products and their services. Mm -hmm. Well, moving away from COVID, because I think we, we all hope we're on the, the backwards straight for that now. Um, let's talk about technology a little bit. Um, how important do you think technology is and platform to the success of D2C? I think that's a good question. Um, <laughs> I've seen um, in my career a lot of different aspects of it. Um, Technology and platform is is important, but I don't think it's the sole reason for su for success. Um, I've worked in companies that have bought, you know, top of the line enterprise off the shelf technology, and I've worked for those who were really, you know, more engineering based at at a heart and who built their own solutions. And both can be successful. So success in my mind for D2C is really dictated around owning the customer, understanding them, making sure the data is accessible and stored in a compliant manner and using it to personalize those interactions that the brand has with their end customer. So um, those that focus on a truly great customer experience across the platforms will, will garner far more success. Um, because I think you can always go buy the Ferrari if you want, but if you don't know how to drive it, it's 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 not really going to get you the true benefits of having that really great platform or really kind of great tooling. Yeah, we see that a lot. It's, uh, it's a mindset, I think, a lot of the time about how you're going to use that. Um, what are the biggest technology challenges that D2C leaders need to think about? 
So I've seen this quite a bit um, uh, agency side as well as client side, um, and it's probably the hardest the hardest nut to crack, I would say, for for anyone in, in our positions, which is centralization of customer data and, and how to leverage it and use it. Um, the purchase in a D2C model is super straightforward, and whether you choose to build or outsource um, that centraliz centralization of the data, um, it's still your most valuable asset because you can you can really understand your users, um, especially as you continue to to see their evolution. So there are so many solutions out there from a technology perspective, um, but there is only as good as your strategy around the data. And you'll see some companies, I think, they don't really find the value in it or the companies are so large that they don't know how to integrate it across their their portfolio or categories to really kind of power that. And that's just a, a you know symptom of you know some 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 companies just being so massive, right? And they're trying to drive their individual agenda. So if you don't have that person on your team um, that can really understand that or think about that, um, it's going it's going to be difficult <laughs> um, to then take a, a piece of technology that can then you know kind of power that. Um, but I think it's probably the thing that is 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 one of the most important assets as a company. It's probably not recognized that way for most. Mm -hmm. Um, how far have you got with kind of using data from the e-commerce side to bring that back to product? This is a bit of a, a nirvana state for most companies, I realize. So um, it's not always there a lot of the time. It sounds like you're a little bit more advanced than some other people, but kind of getting that end user data and then bringing that back to the to the next iteration of product. Is that is that happening? You know, we've done I've done this. Um kind of focus um, at HTC as well as as here at Residio and you know two completely different sets of products um, but but very um, but with audiences that are really willing to tell you um, through either how they use the product so um, directly through what we can see um, in, in their connection data, um, but also, you know, sometimes they just directly tell us uh, a lot. So for us, I would say um, how I've approached that is, you know, it really starts at the beginning. What, what are you trying to achieve with this? And in both sides, in both instances, it was really about how do we assess the lifetime value of the customer? where do we see that trending based on the the life cycle of the, of the products that we're serving with them and how do we make their lives better? Because in both instances um, for their products, um, you know, these are products that are in their hands every day. And, you know, HTC sold, sells, you know, mobile phones and whatnot. So that's something that's really attached to you <laughs> for most people every single moment of the day. So understanding what's important um, and getting using that direct feedback, both inferred and direct, 
was very vital in terms of understanding what features were important. And sometimes it's the feature that's not really that sexy, right? It's the one that's, um, I really want a really good battery. I really want to have a good camera. And not necessarily, you know, the bells and whistles um, that you see coming out in the smartphone world. In the smart home world, again, it's like that simplicity factor. If it's not going to be easy to use, like if I can't turn up my thermostat very easily or monitor it from a thousand miles away, then why did I even buy a connected thermostat? Mm -hmm. Excellent. Um, okay, let's move away from technology a little bit. So outside of technology, what are the other D to C challenges you have faced? So I think uh, you and I, you know, having worked <laughs> together way back when, um, I think the, the biggest thing um, that people who are kind of embarking on that D2C model, especially on, on the e-commerce side, is all of the back office stuff. <laughs> um, all of the stuff that, we, that most people don't even really think about when they're looking at a website. So um, my, my career has been spent mostly on the physical goods side with, with some kind of uh, software elements to it. But so with physical goods, there's so many challenges that have to be contemplated and, and, and faced, right? So those are shipping, payments, taxes. Here in the US, like it, you could be, you know, 10 miles apart and there could be a different tax classification. People don't understand how difficult that can be, <laughs> um, especially you know some countries. It's very simple, um, but here it's very complex. Um, so when we're considering global expansion, um, your friends in the supply chain world are really your best friends. Probably the ones um, next to the finance people <laughs> that you you generally want to send like flowers and chocolates to, um, because they usually have solved for a lot of these challenges. When how when contemplating just how to get the, the products into market in general, which is you know generally you know D 2 C has typically been like that last channel to go to go global. Mm -hmm. um, but I think the biggest challenge that I have faced is just education and understanding within organizations on why D 2 C and customer data is so important. So you have to be patient and and really kind of you know the biggest success I've seen there is using the data to kind of demonstrate it. So once your company embraces the channel, the rest all can be solved pretty simply operationally because you have the support on making movement forward to really push to really push that e-commerce channel forward. And so you've been in DTC for you know quite a long time now and there's been some big changes through that period. What, what's the biggest change you've seen since starting in kind of DTC and e-commerce? Um, I think that the technology platforms, you know, we mentioned we, we mentioned that a lot earlier, right? The platforms themselves have just gotten better and better. Um, and you've seen the front end experiences improve so much, you know, especially as, um, you know, bandwidth starts to get better, 5G is coming. So the performance of your site um, is just, um, and and what you can do with that online experience is incredible. Um, so those th that's like a big massive change from a marketing standpoint. I think the other big change that we've seen is that 
one by one um, product categories have started to see success and really kind of adopt some of these models when previously there was so much um, fear within those companies um, with channel conflict. They didn't want to upset the retailers. They didn't want to upset the distributors. And this to me has really been driven by consumer expectations on I they feel like they have a relationship with the manufacturer and those that don't really find a way to embrace this change will be impacted because you know I think even even in the current state like retailers are getting hit hard that haven't really converted to a really great D2C model um, online so um, I think I just read something recently where you know two major sporting goods brands have really kind of taken it to the next level. They're actually reducing the amount of retailers that they're working with because they find that they want to own that brand messaging more. And typically in the past, they've really been all in the channel. So that's been the biggest change, right? Like you've seen uh, luxury brands go big into D2C that five years ago was not the case. You had to buy, you had to buy that um, signer handbag in a shop or at a big, big retailer. Yeah, so I mean, there's a, the, like you say there, there's a lot of companies deciding to go direct to consumer that perhaps haven't done it before. Obviously, the, there's a lot of reason to at the moment, given COVID and everything, but there's also a lot of businesses that go direct to consumer first because they're new companies and that's, that seems to be the way to go. Um, what advice would you give to any of these brands that are considering going direct to consumer perhaps for the first time? I think first and foremost, you have to, you know, if you're coming into it um, and this is or or you've been in with a company and it's it's starting to come to to your to your plate, um, you have to have a really clear understanding of your company's goals and objectives with within the channel. Um, I think there's so many things that you can do. It can get overwhelming <laughs> um, in in going through the transformation. So crafting a plan that allows um, for a crawl, walk, run approach is really key in showing incremental growth in experience, you know, revenue results and ROI. Um, and so, and that plan doesn't just you know, magically appear and it, it is, it is, it does have to be customized to like the expectations of what is important for a company. I think secondly, um, really understanding and taking the time to assess what technology and data you have is also important because that will inform your plan. Um, partner partner with the experts to do the things, especially in the beginning that your company doesn't know how to handle. Um, I When I first came into this role, um, that was probably, there was a lot of things that I'm like, oh, that needs to be fixed, that could be better. But when I found out that we actually had a partner that was aggregating and householding all of our customer data into one centralized spot, that was like my like light bulb golden ticket moment. Because I knew that if we had that um, and that we just never really leveraged it, um, for example, that that was going to be the catalyst to show the power of, of our digital initiatives. So really partnering with with people, even if they're not in your company and you're outsourcing that um, is really important. 
Um, and then it also applies, I would say, from a e-commerce standpoint on, on some of those things that, you know, again, not super exciting for most people, um, but actually makes um, your company run very well. So for, for us at Residio, all of those financial items like tax calculation, remittance and compliance for one transaction, finding a solution that worked for us um, for that really made uh, paved the way to, for us to kind of push forward and and drive the channel because that wasn't really solved for before I came on. Um, and so I think lastly, it's also just about being flexible, right? So you you have to be flexible in your plan. You have to be able to communicate upwards and be able to to show that value proposition, but be open to the fact that they may not be ready. So you're going to have to continue kind of reinforce that communication, show the best practices, and and um, kind of make that those incremental moves. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well. Just finally, I'm going to ask you to get out your crystal ball now and tell us what your predictions for the future of direct consumer are. So, uh, I would say, uh, you know, I grew up in a time where, you know, you went to shopping malls and it was an experience. And, and recently I <laughs> went to one and it was kind of sad because it was empty. You know, we're in a COVID situation where, you know, people aren't shopping that way. Um, so in, in a little bit, it was like a little bit of nostalgia, like you, you're a bit saddened by it. Um, so I think for me, it really is demonstrating how we're already in the middle of it. Um, so we're going to continue to see strong growth here. I think that COVID is just accelerating, accelerating things a bit. It's forcing innovation. Um, a lot of, a lot, I'm going to be really honest, I think a lot of retailers aren't going to make it <laughs> because they haven't changed. Um, and you have to, all companies should be focused on how they are being adaptable to serving their customer um, in a digital first world. Because um, otherwise you're going to end up with limited options um, in the future. I think that Data privacy is also going to continue to be regulated super highly. Uh, you know, you've seen that across Europe. Uh, we're, we're starting to see a lot more of those regulations kind of come through here in the States. And so evolving again, how you adapt to that from a marketing perspective is, is going to be a huge focus as we kind of go down this path. Um, because the things that you did, you know, five years ago or even last year, are are a bit uh, <laughs> aren't aren't even possible. So, um, being innovative and always kind of keeping your pulse on things is going to be key to to any success um, for the future of D2C. Laurie, thanks so much for sharing your vast experience with us of this last uh, hour or so. It's been really fascinating. We'd love to get you back on again. Um, I'm sure there'll be some questions that come up from the podcast, so we'll send those over to you if we get them. Um, but again, thank you so much for today. Thank you so much for having me.